So DIY projects are all the rage now, uh, thanks to Pinterest and Home Fixer Upper shows. Um, you've probably done some, probably got some you've, you've been waiting to do, some your wife has been telling you to do, but uh, DIY, it's everywhere. I, I googled best DIY projects. <clears throat> Here were the top three links that came up. The first link at the top was 30 awesome DIY projects you've never heard of. You should go home and do those. Look it up. The next one was 31 insanely easy and clever DIY projects. Not to be outdone, 1,679 best DIY projects on Pinterest. So you could spend the rest of your life just Googling DIY and doing projects. That's the way DIY is. It's often you start one and then you create more and you have to keep doing them and doing them. Uh, we are at, I think, I haven't researched this, but I think we're, at, we're almost at peak DIY season because it's the fall. And so you got fall wreaths and fall candles and fall pumpkins and fall scarecrows and DIY pumpkin spice lattes. Like there's all these DIY projects that we get to do in the fall. And the calendar says it's fall. The temperature doesn't necessarily say that it's fall. I, I think DIY is uh, attractive to people. I, I think we like it because there's a sense of accomplishment. I, I did something and I did it myself. And I can take a picture and put it on Instagram. I did this all by myself. I'm painting our back deck right now all by myself, DIY uh, the back deck, and uh, my goal is to be finished by July 4th, and so it's, it's going to be tight. Um, I've already decided the next time it needs painting, we're moving. Right? We're just packing up the house and we're moving, we're leaving it there, because DIY can be, can be a little bit exhausting. The, the thing with DIY is... You, the smaller projects are fine, like they're fun, and, and if you fail, it's not that big of a deal. But you get to this, this go-no-go zone with larger projects. Like, should I really attempt this? Uh, usually the decision comes down to maybe about three factors time. Like, do I have time to do this, or do I just need to pay somebody to get it done? Do I have enough money to pay somebody? A am I saving enough money by doing it myself that it makes sense? And then, then third is, do I have the skill to actually do this? And those can be in any order, but do, do I have the technical, professional knowledge to actually pull this off? In the end, will it save me any money? Because worst case scenario with DIY, especially home project type things, is... You buy the part, you buy the material, you invest three weeks trying to do it, and you can't, and you end up paying somebody to do it anyway. So you like double pay because you've already tried, and then you have to pay somebody else, and then you have to listen to your wife tell you that she told you to call somebody from the beginning. Not that that's ever happened to me, but I counsel with some marriages, and that happens in other marriages, that you then have to deal with the I told you so from your spouse. So there's this delicate balance of, can I handle this? Should I try this project or should I not try it? That can be a tension. Uh, it's, it, we feel this tension sometimes in the spiritual life. That there are things sometimes spiritually that we look at and we think, I'm going to let the professionals do this. 
I'm going to leave this to the staff. I'm going to let the people who are paid to do this. I'm going to let the people who have been in church for a long time. They're better at this than I am. I'm going to let the people who have been Christians longer than I have. I'm going to let the professionals do this. And there's a long list of things that could fall in that category. I don't want to give examples because then we'll get distracted by the examples. We're going to talk about one over the next four Sundays. We're going to talk about one area that we sometimes leave to the professionals, but it's really a DIY project. It's really something you should be doing yourself. I should be doing myself, and that area is worship. We we have a phenomenal worship leader. Zach Orr is unbelievably talented. He can play any instrument, great vocalist, uh, great working with the band, and, and, and he's a hard worker, and he's humble, and has a great heart. So he's just this phenomenal worship leader. We have a great band. We have people who play the instruments who are just fantastic here at our church. We have great singers here at our church. It can be tempting when it comes to worship, when we all come in here on Sunday mornings. It can be tempting to think, well, they're good at it. I'm going to let them do it. The people on the stage are the ones who are supposed to worship. I'll just kind of watch. I'll just show up. I'll just be here. But I'm going to let them handle worship. But that's, that's not how God designed worship. Worship is DIY. It's that we come in here to worship together. Maybe we have leaders. Maybe we have people who get us going. But, but worship itself is something that I do. It's something that you do not something we leave for other people. Psalm chapter 100, I'm just going to read the first verse. Psalm 100 verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, all of us. Come on, let's all do this. Not just Zach, not just the band, not just the leaders, not just the people on the stage, not just the paid people. All the all of us, let's worship the Lord with gladness together. DIY, you're doing it, you're doing it, you're doing it, and I'm doing it. We're all doing this together. When you, when you read the Old Testament, one of God's chief complaints against his people was when they got their worship wrong. Right? When, when they stopped worshiping, or when they worshiped something other than him, something in place of him, something above him. The, the Old Testament prophets are very often saying to people, don't get dragged away and start worshiping other gods other than the one true God. Don't get pulled away in your heart, in your mind, in your affections, and let God's worship get replaced with worship for something else. God thinks worship is important. And I know that's kind of a simplistic thing to say, but as, as we start this study, let's just, let's just remind ourselves, worship is important to God. He wants us to worship Him. There's, there's not just all of the Old Testament references. You come to John chapter 4, and Jesus is having a conversation with a woman. They're at a well, and they've had this ongoing conversation. And at one point, Jesus says to her, um, God is seeking worshipers who worship Him in spirit and truth. Jesus said, He pictures His Father, He pictures God looking throughout the world. 
looking throughout the earth, trying to find people who will worship Him. When, when we get a glimpse into heaven in the Bible, occasionally we do that. Occasionally they sort of pull the curtain back and somebody gets to see into heaven and they get to describe what they see. You know what they see every time? People are worshiping. Beings are worshiping. It's the atmosphere of heaven. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, he has one of these visions of heaven. And when he looks into heaven, what he sees is... Uh, Beings around the throne who are saying to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. That's what was happening in heaven at that moment. Fast forward to almost the very end of the Bible, the book of the Revelation, chapter 19, right at the end of the Bible, there's a whole chapter, we peek into heaven, and there's all of this worship going on. People are praising God and exalting God and glorifying God. Every time the curtain gets pulled back on heaven, we find worship. That's the atmosphere of heaven. Now, I'm not saying that's the only thing we'll do when we get to heaven. There'll be other things that we do. But the continual atmosphere of heaven is the worship of God. Worship is, is important to God. And, and it has to become important to us if it's not. So how do you define worship? How, how do we put a definition with this action, there's tons of them. If you've ever done any reading on worship, everybody has a slightly different definition of worship, and, and most of them are good and useful and true. I, I want to give us one for this series, but I want to tie it into the language of the Bible, okay? In the Old Testament, the word that is most often translated as worship means to bow down, right? To revere. To come before God, humbly, realizing that He is great and I'm not great like He is. He is overall and I'm under Him. He is authority. He is beautiful and big and strong and powerful. And all the things that I'm not, He's above me. That's what bowing is. Right? If, if, if I were going to put the word bow into a different language, I would say that to bow down is to get the order right. And it's to understand who's first. It's to understand who's over everything else. If I'm bowing, I'm saying that you are higher than I am. I am below you. That's what the Old Testament's talking about. John, he's in the New Testament. John, we call him John the Baptizer. Uh, because he baptized a baptism of repentance before Jesus starts his ministry. And at one point, his disciples are struggling with, John, do we keep following you or do we follow Jesus? And John says, look, he's got to become greater and I've got to become less. He's got to increase, some translations say, he's got to increase and I've got to decrease. That's what bowing is. Whether, whether it's a physical bowing and acknowledging someone's over us, or whether it's a, a perspective of the heart. If it's my heart condition that God is above and I'm below and, and, and I am humbling myself before Him. The Old Testament says that's worship. You get the order right. You get God first and you not first. Over in the New Testament, the word most often translated worship means to move toward and to kiss. It's, a, it's an intimate word. It's an affectionate word. 
to move towards someone, something, to get closer, to respond, and to respond with affection. All throughout the New Testament, you find this word, moving towards and kissing, showing affection, demonstrating affection someone, for someone. When we come together on Sunday mornings, that's what we're doing. We're all trying. We're coming from different circumstances. We have different things going on. We're going to different jobs tomorrow. We have different family situations. This, this hour is carved out every week to remind us God's great and we're under Him. And let's respond by moving towards Him and showing our affection towards Him. Now, now I know that we can worship all during the week, right? We can worship on Monday and Tuesday, and we'll talk some about that. But in this series, we're... we're, we're focusing on the times that we come together and express our affection for God, because that's what the New Testament says worship is, that we would move towards Him and that we would respond with our affection. So, so here's my definition. Worship is my response to the object of my affection as I recognize my humility in relationship to His greatness. It's my response. I'm moving towards. It's how I respond to the object of my affection. Whatever that object is, realizing that that thing is great. And I'm not as great as that. I'm humbling myself before that. I'm putting it in the language of it being God. But it could be a lot of things. Just like the people of the Old Testament, we often worship things that are lower than God. We often give our affection to things that are lower than God. And certainly, it does, I, I'm not saying that God is the only thing that should be important in our life. We're talking about priority, right? Who gets first? Who, who's the top point of my worship and my joy? I respond. Worship, worship requires a response. And we're going to talk about specific responses in worship later as we go through this series. We could all respond differently. I'm not saying we all have to have the exact same response. But I am saying to worship someone is to respond to that someone. Now, how would we start figuring out what or who we worship? Here's some questions we can ask. First question, what gets most of my time? I want to look at my calendar, my clock, my day timer, my schedule. What fills those pages up? Because here's what, here's what I would say. We don't always think about responding even when we are responding. I mean, we naturally respond to whatever it is we worship. Whatever we worship is going to fill in our calendar. Not the only thing on our calendar, but it's going to find a way into our calendar. It's going to find a way onto our clock, into our day timer. It's a part of our schedule. What, what's, what's taking up my time? Another question. What gets most of my energy and focus? What, what gets my emotional energy? What am I excited about? What am I passionate about? What am I enthused towards? What, am I fo what do I make sure I give focus to making sure this is a part of my life? If we worship something, we probably don't have to think that intentionally because whatever we worship, we just get focused on. 
just a natural reaction that we would respond that way. We, we get energized by, we have emotional energy towards. So as you're trying to figure out your worship life, what do you give energy to? What do you give focus to? What do you talk about the most? If you could have objectively follow yourself around this next week and hear the conversations that are coming out of your mouth, what are those things that just keep popping up on a daily basis? Not all the time, not 24 hours a day. But what are those things that keep coming up? They're probably way up on the priority list. What are those things that cause you to talk louder or faster or get into conversations about, I love this conversation? Maybe something you worship. Again, I, I don't think God is the only thing we ever talk about or the only thing we ever get enthused by. God, God created a wonderful earth for us to enjoy. God gives us life and breath and goals and things that we're going to go after. We're talking about priority, right? We're talking about what's at the top. What gets first place in my emotions? What gets first place in my intentions, on my calendar? What do I keep coming back to in my conversation? Because here's what I can promise you. You are not worshiping something that you're not talking about. I, I can pretty much guarantee it. If something's barely on your calendar, it's probably not a priority to you or me. If there's no energy towards something, you're, you're probably not worshiping that something because we naturally respond to whatever it is that's first in our life, whatever it is that we worship. I'm not going to spend too much, on time, uh, too much time on this one, so don't get nervous. But uh, another question, where does my money go? And where do my resources go? What do we fund first as a family, as an individual? What do I make sure I'm pouring resources in? That's, that's something that's important to you. That's, that's something that maybe you worship because we respond to whatever we worship. You, you can't worship vicariously. Worship isn't passive. Worship isn't watching. Worship is responding in Psalm 95. We'll come back to this chapter later. The psalmist writes, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and song. In verse 6, uh, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. The psalmist didn't say, Let the people on the stage worship. Let the professionals sing. The psalmist said, come on, let us worship. Let's all respond. Let's do this together. You can't vicariously worship. It's DIY. It's do it yourself. I would even say that if we're letting someone else do the worshiping, if we're just passive observers, then we aren't worshiping. That's not worshiping. Passively watching someone worship isn't worship. And it probably means that the object of their worship is not that important to me. Like if I can watch somebody enjoy something and I'm not enjoying it, then that, that thing, whatever it is, probably just doesn't bring joy to me. 
I just don't love that thing the way they love that thing. Again, various ways to respond. I'm not saying we all respond the same way. I'm saying if I can just let others do it for me, then I probably don't love whatever the object is that they're worshiping. Most of you know I grew up in South Georgia, a small town, uh, Tifton, Georgia, um, and it was a great place to grow up. I had a great childhood, salt-of-the-earth people, hardworking people, blue-collar people, a lot of farmers, and just a great environment to be a kid, be a teenager, had a great upbringing. Um, but growing up in South Georgia, the one thing that never took for me was country music. Like I just never learned to like country music at all, still to this day, I do not like country music in any form. Don't, don't come tell me I need to try this person or that person. I, I don't like any of it. I don't like it, not, not even a little bit, right? And I know some of you do, like some of you are all into country music. Country music fans, can I see you? God bless you, yes, all right, awesome. Let's say that you took me to a country music concert, right? <clears throat> which means you kidnapped me and tased me and put me in the trunk and drugged me into the arena before I woke up. All right, Let's say all of that happened. And your guy or girl or band, they hit the stage and you're just loving it. Like you're just going crazy and you're singing all the songs and doing the hand motions and wearing the boots and wearing the cowboy hat. And like you are just all into this. And honestly, I would be happy for you. Like, that would be great. It would be awesome that you're enjoying this. I would not be enjoying it. I'm okay that you're enjoying it. I'm okay that that's your thing and you like it. We all have different tastes. It would be awesome for you. I'd be cheering for you. Yay, yeah, yeah, go you. But I don't love that thing that you love. I just don't. And so I don't respond to that thing the way you respond because I don't love that thing. Now follow me. If we're vicariously worshiping, if, if we're leaving the worship to Zach or the band or the stage or the whomever, the people have been Christians longer than you, if we're leaving the worship to them, that may be an indication that we don't love the thing they're worshiping the way they love the thing they're worshiping. Again, different ways to respond. I'm not saying we all respond the same way. I'm saying we respond when we worship someone or something. Another thought, kind of a corollary truth of that. When the object of my affection is present, I will respond. I will respond. When the object of my affection is present, I will respond. That's the way worship works. When the object of my affection is in the building, is in the room... I can't help but respond because I, I'm in love with that. Speaking of concerts, it's been years ago now. Uh, I took my wife and daughters to a One Direction concert, boy band, for those of you who don't know, One Direction concert. It's me, my wife, my three daughters, and 80,000 middle school girls in the Georgia Dome. And they're excited, like there's energy and they can't wait. And these little girls, they can scream for hours without taking a breath. And so even before the concert starts, there's this buzz in the room. I don't know why I remember this, but uh, over the loudspeakers, they're playing music, you know, just piping in music before the band start or the boys start or whatever they are. Before the concert starts, they're piping in this music 
And it's the only song I remember, but, but they played ACDC's Highway to Hell. <clears throat> I thought that's exactly where we are. Like, we are on <laughs> Highway to Hell right now. There's no doubt about it. But this weird thing happened. The moment One Direction hit the stage, the place went bananas. Ear-piercing screams from 13-year-old girls all over the Georgia Dome. They went crazy. And their hands are up and they're singing songs and they're moving around. And what was weird about it is nobody told them to do that. There wasn't a message on the screen right before the guys came out that said, would everyone please stand and scream? We weren't handed an order when we went in that said, when the boy band comes out, stand and scream. Nobody came to the platform before they walked out on stage and said, would you all please stand and join us for the first song? Nobody said that. But as soon as the boys hit the stage, the place went crazy. Why? Because the object of their affection was in the room and they responded. That's what happens. When the object of our affection, whatever it is, comes in the building, we can't help but react. This probably 13-year-old girl uh, stood behind me. And she screamed for three hours straight. Didn't breathe, didn't swallow, didn't clear her throat. Three hours, screamed. Jesus was with me because I wanted to harm this child. And Jesus protected me from doing it, kept me from doing that. You know what that 13-year-old never thought? You know what never entered her mind? She never one time during the boy band concert thought, well, I wonder what everybody's thinking about me. Just standing here screaming. I, I don't want to disturb. I don't want to distract anybody. This, this may be too much. I might need to tone this down. Not one time. Not one time did she think, there's this old guy in front of me. He might not be comfortable with me singing. She didn't care. Why? Because the object of her affection in the form of a boy band was in the building, and she didn't care what anybody else thought. That's worship. Anybody watch college football yesterday? I don't keep up with college football myself. If you're new, I graduated from South Carolina, and I lost a bet to uh, Devin Snell, who's over there. Um, before a game, any college game, before a college game, every school, every stadium has their traditions, right? They have the songs that they play. The band does their little thing. They have their little formations. The loudspeaker says certain things. And it's pretty much always the same, right? Whole season, sometimes every season. Same thing happens before Every game, everybody's getting excited. Sometimes you'll hear announcers use the phrase, 
the best entrance in college football. And there's various schools that they apply that to. Best entrance in college football. You know what the best interest in college, entrance in college football is? The one where your team runs into the building. I mean, to you, the best entrance in all of college football is when your colors come through the tunnel. Your guys that you're pulling for, that you're, you've teamed up with, those are my guys, those are my players the best interest in college football is when your guys come through the tunnel. And if you go to a football, any college football game, when they come through the tunnel onto the field, this is going to shock you, nobody says to the stands, would you all please stand and honor our guys who are coming to compete in a sporting event. Nobody says that. Nobody says, y'all remember that song that we've sung a lot? Would y'all sing along? You know those hand motions we talk? Would y'all do those hand motions? Nobody has to say, nobody says bark like a dog. Nobody has to say that. Why? Because my team just came in the room. That's what worship is. It's the way I respond when the object of my affection comes into the room. Now, here, here's, here's what we know. The God that created everything, including you, redeemed you through His Son, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again. That God promises to be in this room every time we get together. Every time. I don't know God's everywhere. He's omnipresent. But God says, look, I, I will be with you. When you come together, I'll be with you in, in a unique and powerful way. I'm going to show up in the room. Are you going to respond? Part of the problem we have in American 2018 church is... Sometimes we come to church expecting everybody else to respond to me. I sure hope the coffee tastes good today. I ho- hope the parking team gets us to the right parking space today. I hope somebody speaks to me today. I hope they sing a song that I like in the key that I like to sing it in. I mean, sometimes, consciously or subconsciously, We come into this place wanting to know who's going to respond to me. And let me just tell you, we're not here to respond to you. And hopefully you're not here to respond to me. Look, I hope you have a good experience. I hope the coffee's good and we've got a great parking team. They'll get you in the right spot and hopefully you like the music and and it's something that, that, that you enjoy. But we're not here to respond to you. You're not here to respond to me. We're not here to respond to Zach. The object of our affection, the God who created us, is in the room, and He's the only one we should respond to. We got just a few more minutes. Just a few more minutes together. In the presence of God, 
the object of our affection. We've got just a few more minutes, and then we're going to go. We're going to leave, and you're going to go to work tomorrow, and I'm going to go to work, and we're going to go back to our families. And, and yeah, we can worship there. We can take worship with us, but come let us sing. We're gonna, the band's going to come back out, and we're going to sing, and let's not go through the motions, and let's not leave it to the professionals, and let's not worship vicariously. I'm going to let you guys handle it. The object of our affection is here. Let's respond. I, I, I'm not saying church is supposed to be like a One Direction crazy concert. I'm not, I'm not saying it's supposed to be like a football game. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that a heart that is in love with Jesus and God the Father, empowered by the Holy Spirit, you, you're going to respond somehow, some way. God, forgive us for our lack of response. Forgive us when we let other things pull our mind and our heart away from you. When we have come only to respond to you. Forgive us for the times that we think this is about us. Because it's not about us. Be worshipped today by us. Be exalted and glorified and lifted high because you are the God of all things who redeemed us through his son Jesus and sent his spirit to live inside of us. Be glorified in us. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.